Welcome back to the evolution of a snake. I'm Zach. And I'm Madeline. And Taylor Swift is the sexiest woman alive. Just kidding. She is time person of the year. And we are here today with a second public episode in the month of December, which is supposed to be the Lord's month, supposed to be a month of rest and relaxation, but not for us. Not for the Swift Nation. Not for the Taylor Nation. I actually thought it was going to be a month of rest and relaxation, too. That's a, They got me on smack cam. And it's funny because even though everybody was talking about, like, oh, Taylor's going to be Times Person of the Year. She's, she's, like, in the front running. She's, like, the lead. I went to bed, not last night, but the night before, and people were arguing about her just being even in the running and this, that, and the other thing. And I was just like, well, it's probably all of no consequence because I was almost certain it was going to be Barbie. I was, like, almost positive. Oh, really? Just because it, it felt like that I was like sure it was going to be her. That was, I thought, in the in the grand scheme of things, more palatable to people, I thought. But then they said, no, 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 no. It's the bitch. And now you have to mount your steed and ride. That's <laughs> like, all right. Well, when you do I Barbie, so. I think Barbie comes with a lot of baggage. Right? What do you mean? She comes with a lot of like, uh, well, I feel like a lot of people like to say that Barbie is like not the Barbie movie, Barbie the figure itself people have issues with. And it is such a historic thing as well that I feel like if it was Greta Gerwig's Barbie exclusively, that would have gone down okay. We'll put Margot Robbie but on I there. think we just clapped. having Barbie wouldn't have gone down too well. I would have clapped. I mean, I they basically clapped. did put Barbie on it. Taylor Swift is Barbie. That's what they don't understand. See, that's that was actually She's the thought process. Barbie. That was the, that was the thought process behind it. It was like we can give. <laughs> they got confused. Two crowns, <laughs> two crowns. We all got crowns. <laughs> An intern saw the cover and was like, "That's Barbie," and it was Taylor Swift. And they ran exactly. it back wrong, and everybody got confused. But one and the same synonyms, different fonts, different same fonts, same person, different fonts. Period. What did you think of the looks and the shoot? So I've been seeing some really negative things about the shoot, as a matter of fact, and not from Swifties. Me too. From, from people outside. Yeah, from but normal people. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing is that we haven't had a photo shoot, like a true blue photo shoot in a second. So excuse the fuck out of me <laughs> for upon first sight for being eating. like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. But I will say some of the crit, like when somebody pointed out she has a Lego hand, in one of the pictures, I was like, and now I can't unsee that. In the picture where she has Benji around her neck, if you look at her hand, it's Why literally a, a Lego me? claw. I hadn't heard that. It's a Lego claw. <laughs> you have to see it. Once you uh, once you see it, you can't unsee it. That one, the Benji picture is cute, but my favorite picture is the one. Um, it's, first of all, the most rep-coded picture, so of course I like it. It's the one where she has the very shaggy, kind of like wet hair and it's very oh, I know close. what you're this talking about that's my favorite cover. picture too this should have been the mm-hmm. cover the power of taylor swift mm-hmm. period it wasn't even it, one of the covers no and that's the, the delusional part idiots in general well, i like again stumbling at the last hurdle i suppose i loved the eye makeup on that picture you're referencing to me yes. i think it was stylistically like a combo between the bleachella shoot and the shoot from 2019 for Vogue. Do you remember this one? This was for Lover. It was when she was talking about the man and she was wearing a blazer and it was in yes. black and white and they shot it on yes. the roof of her New York apartment. That, right. I feel like the styling is very similar to that. And she also wore a blazer and some of, like I thought the pictures that weren't the cover were a lot better than the pictures, the selects that they chose to be the cover. The armpit photo 
why are we doing armpit show? <laughs> oh, that that's probably my least favorite one. It's unflattering. And incidentally, it's that. the one that apparently I think that's she the likes main the most. One. She posted it. She's this oh, is why? the one that she likes. I don't know. She has bad taste. We Period. see I mean visual her visual direction. God God can't give with both hands, I guess. He can give you the ear, but he cannot give you the eye. I also like the <laughs> Amelia Earhart picture. Have the eye. It's the one where she's wearing. I liked like, that one. It's she looks like Amelia I Earhart. I like that. You have to cheer. It's it's a reference to. <laughs> they found her. <laughs> I, when I was first looking at it and Located. reading it, I was like, these these pictures. I was being very delusional. I was like, these pictures are references to other famous women of history. They're not. But oh. the Amelia Earhart picture really made me think that it was. That would have gagged. If well, so, thought, that would have served. I, also, I felt like the leotard picture, the bodysuit picture with Benji, I, I felt like that is a familiar picture. I was like, I've seen this picture before. It was of Elizabeth Taylor. It was of some, you know, blah, blah, blah. But no, I'm just delusional. I wanted that to be the truth. She's, and it would have gagged. She seems to be soft launching a new hairstyle. I think that once we get back on the Eras tour, we will go back to the bangs because that's just the easiest thing to work with on the go. But she seems to be flirting with a side part and having a little forehead showing. And I say, what's wrong with that? What's as long as that? we're getting a blowout. Little, it looks luscious and delicious and healthy. A little peep mm-hmm. at the forehead. I mean, everybody's allowed She's been to do hiding that. from us. It's Victorian. <laughs> Give it. Scandalize We would us. like to see your ankle. Please, <laughs> madame. Show us your ankle. <laughs> Please spare ankle bone. Yeah. Por favor. Spare wrist. Um, so, I, yeah, I really liked the shoot too. It is, in fact, contrary to my assumption, a big deal to be a time person of the year. And she is like the first pop culture figure, like not a politician, to take it in like five, six, maybe even 10 years. So, that's like not a business person and not like a politician. So I thought that that was pretty cool. And I saw I saw a lot of people saying that it should have been Beyonce. And I was kind of like, this was the year of Taylor Swift. I really think it was for m- many cases. And the article does a really good job of describing why it was the year of Taylor Swift. I think that a lot of people tend to forget like Beyonce I mean she has her renaissance tour which of course is massive it's it's pretty it's kind of toe-to-toe with the Eras tour if 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 not as vast and huge but you know not everybody wants to do what Taylor's doing and honestly I don't blame them because what Taylor's doing is mm-hmm. mentally ill the amount of insane. tour dates that she has is <laughs> insane but it's pretty much just the renaissance tour and that's it. And I don't. And I, yeah. I'm not saying this to like take anything away from Beyonce. Like there are years where I think that she definitely we would never could have do taken that. It. We all got crowns, right? She still hasn't even released the Renaissance visuals. I mean, come on, <laughs> we she won't even do that. So let's just if we're talking about just like sheer media saturation and and like cultural prevalence, I guess you could argue in in the zeitgeist. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, I would say that Taylor Swift, if we're talking about a pop culture figure who should be Times Person of the Year, I, I think it w- it's pretty safe to argue for Taylor over Beyonce just going on those things alone. She was pop culture this year, yeah. like she was the the kitten caboodle. She was the beginning, the middle, and the end. I mean, when we reflect on the happenings of the year, I mean, it started with its Jover, seismic, Eras tour, 
Seismic, Speak Now, and 1989, two new albums. We had a re-release of Midnight's randomly with new songs. Okay, sure, Jan, why not? Sure. Why we not? had a, a hard launch of a new relationship and a complete reorientation of how she was going to negotiate that relationship in public, teaming up with the NFL. I mean, she uh, the NFL really, I think, was the the nail in the coffin of her being time person of the year like she the one market she's always found a little bit hard to penetrate is the straight man market and they they want they want to be interested but they are never served her in the correct way i feel and to right she doesn't care to serve them she doesn't need them but i think by finally reaching that remote island she cracked the code and unlocked and unleashed swiftyism upon each and every person exactly and that they didn't know that it was happening. <laughs> that was the scary part. It happened, and they could, by the time, they were already in the tidal wave. One the second, I'm it. the Swifty, then suddenly the Swifty is me. Swifty is me. Exactly. Pop culture I mean, wasn't art. No, art and pop culture like and me. And you can't do anything about it. And Taylor they, Swift they is cry. the time person of the year. Period. I, Period. This is a public episode, right? So I can't. Well, maybe I can say it. I mean, what are the odds that yes. they're going to listen? So <laughs> I, I was actually at, I went to the bar to watch a little bit of the game with Mason's mom. And unfortunately, Mason's mom invited this individual, this straight man to come and watch the game with us. And it's like, <gasps> normally, I kind of can rock. I'm like, whatever, I'll be friendly. But it's like the second, the first, and like the only time I saw Taylor on screen at this game before I left to go to dinner, um, she showed up and he was immediately upset. Like, oh, here comes Taylor Swift. And Mason immediately was like, looked right at him and said, well, that's the only Shut reason up. that Madeline's here. And he was like, oh, he <laughs> shut up immediately. I was like, exactly. Don't say another fucking word. And then he said something really inappropriate mm -mm. about like whether or not Taylor and Travis have hooked up i'll put it that way i don't want to use any vulgar terminology on, on our on in our space in our sacred swifty space and i was mm -mm. just like how is that really what that you here. people think when you see this happening is that what you people think about that's not what i'm thinking that meanwhile swifties were they on here be talking allowed to about, think about her this is the prom queen this is the homecoming king and queen that's what we were thinking about they were writing nicholas sparks novels and meanwhile men's immediate thought and is are they 50 fucking? shades of gray they go to a place of sex and I need them to take it to a place of literally it's like she is a divine figure to you. Like you should avert your gaze. You can't look at the sun, like turn around. It's the eclipse. Like it's too bright. Your poor little retinas won't be able to handle the light. Go away. And that's kind of how I feel. Like I hate to be perceived by people that I don't want to be perceived by on a very small scale on the internet. I cannot imagine this year for Taylor, how it has felt to be the topic of conversation. But one thing I really gleaned from this article, she's living. She loves that about herself. <laughs> she loves to be the center of attention in a way that she hasn't ever been before. That's what I came away from this thinking. I was like, something's different. There is something different, and there's actually something that she said in the article that I thought was very interesting. So, is it okay if I if I get into it? Like, I have a really good yeah, go for it. So, this get is something right that she it. said that struck me like pretty much immediately. Um, she was talking about 
um the Eros tour and like being in the in the in the news all the time and she said ultimately we can convolute it all we want or try to overcomplicate it but there's only one question are you not entertained and i kind of had this moment where i realized that she has finally learned how to be famous and i and it's interesting mm-hmm. because i i never quite realized that she hadn't cracked that nut i would argue in 1989 she thought she had figured it out and then quickly realized that she simply had not. And then, of course, she had to run away and hide because everything went to shit so fast. But I think that she's figured out how to wield fame and, like, use it and, like, use it to her advantage and how to incorporate it also into what she does. Like, in in her creative life, she has finally figured out what fame can do for her. I mean, are you not entertained? Uh, it's just a question. I have been gagged and choked and slapped and spit on this year. Like we have been waterboarded from April to December. Like it has been so much. I am certainly entertained. I think she also mentioned there was a quote that she gave kind of talking about how she has never felt this well enough to be fam- to be this famous. She said she wasn't ready for this kind of fame until she hit the age of 33 and she was never prepared until this very moment. And I think there's a, an interesting convergence of factors going on here. Something she hints at not subtly throughout this article is that Joe, the turkey, the turkey was holding her back. That gobble was keeping her awake at night. It was making her so tired. She couldn't pick her eyes up off the floor to go out of the house. She was schlubbing around in her pajamas all day long. She was going to the pub and drinking lukewarm beer and going, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. She was wearing a pink wig around the streets of Shoreditch. She was like, please. <laughs> pink someone, wig. Oh my God, me. I forgot about that. I'm the Tennessee Stella McCartney. When will you realize? Get me out of here. <laughs> I literally do. It does have to be Louis V up on Bond Street. I'm sorry. It literally does. That's what she discovered this year. It has to be Louis V up on Bond Street. And I think that that plus finally meeting someone that is interested in celebrating her in public and also being able to give her, you know, love and warmth back to that person, plus all of the professional success that she's had this year. I mean, she just seems to be in a place, a very measured, careful place of fuck it. Well, speaking of Travis um, and the turkey and how they, uh, what we'll say, juxtapose differ. alongside one another, differ. Mm. Um, this something that she said was she was talking about having a public relationship with Travis. She said like when you when you decide to have a public relationship, the opposite of that of a public relationship is you have to go to an extreme amount of effort to make sure no one knows that you're seeing someone. And we're just proud of each other. That's how she finishes that sentence. And what I read into that is that we are proud (laughs) to be together. I am proud to be seen with my boyfriend or girlfriend. And it's like, is she suggesting that Joe was not proud to be with her? Which is like, you. I mean, that's psychotic. That is embarrassing. It is. We knew, though. But all all the signs are there. He made her put on a pink wig. Like he's, like she's fucking... Barbie, uh, Barbie as in she sobbed and said, "Pink wig, thick ass." She could not. She literally couldn't. She said, "I can't can't do that." I'm literally giving myself whiplash. And I mean, she also talked about how there were years of her life that she spent at home that she could never get back, and that to me kind of clarified a lot of the anger 
that we've been seeing from her. And I think that's what's been confusing to the fans, you know, us who are trying to decode her emotional state with no information available to us other than what what she says in her fucking surprise song set and how she acts in her face. Because as we all know, she's a very expressive performer. There have been moments where I've been like, what are you so angry about? It's like, I understand that you are upset because you had a breakup and you're losing me is a sad song. It's not a particularly angry song, but I think there is not a small amount of now that she's happier and now that she has something to compare what happened before to, it is making her angry. I'm getting the sense that she's irritated and she feels that she lost something, a not insignificant portion of her life. And that was very revealing to me. Very revealing, quite. It's funny because the average person who was reading this article wouldn't have any clue that there was turkey cooking going on here. But let me tell you, I knew instantly. <laughs> but it was everywhere. I was like, I know exactly what you're getting at, Queen. But you she knows. Everything you when want. she's giving an interview, she knows that this is for us, essentially. It is for it's the for people us. that read too much into things. Exactly. I could feel the writer grappling with that throughout the article, trying to wrestle with the idea that he maybe he wasn't being spoken to in the most direct of ways or that Taylor had very carefully thought out the way that she would like to be perceived, which of course, but of course she has. Are you not entertained, et cetera, et cetera. She knows how to be famous. She's very good at it. And there were moments in this article where I was like, can we go further? Could we have pushed her a little bit? There, there were a lot of softball moments in this article. I would posit that there was not even one challenging question. There was a small moment where they were talking about Travis and the writer kind of was like, isn't it interesting how you're being really public about this, given how private you have always been about your relationships as they are going on? And he expresses Taylor to be gently pushing back. And that is the only time of any sort of like, letting the veneer drop that I see in this article. And I mean, what did we expect? She hasn't given access like this to a reporter for years. Even the Rolling Stone interview, she didn't allow them to perceive her. She made them print word for word what she said. This article is definitely more a return to that traditional writing style where you give up a little bit of your control of the narrative to get a good story and, and get something that is actually revealing written about you. Do I think that this is very revealing? No. I mean, no, not it's clarifying, not, not, but no, is it exactly. revealing? Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. There was, I was just thinking. It confirms things we already knew. It, well, I mean, yes, us, the, us, the deranged, us, us, the, us, the psychotic, but it's like, who <laughs> we the mentally talking Ill. about, he was talking about like, oh, if you don't think that Taylor deserves this, like, let me ask you a question. How many times have you had conversations about Taylor? How many times have you seen Taylor and et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, how many times have we encountered people knowing things about the fandom and like about the quote unquote lore that they, sh- it feels like they shouldn't know that. And it's only been in the last, us. only mm-hmm. since the era's tour. I wouldn't surprise me if. There were people who are aware about the like the ins and outs of the Maddie Healy disaster because it was just it was everywhere. And it's hard for us on the inside to know, like, is it actually everywhere? Because we (laughs) I mean, my social media is curated. I get Swifty shit all the time. So it doesn't surprise me. But it's like the people closest to us. This is their cross to bear. Like they have proximity to swiftiness. So they're not a very good litmus test. But every time I've met a new person and had that person be like, I love Taylor Swift, 
they're able to like tell me things that even what I would have considered to be a casual fan years ago, someone that knew more than like the general enjoyer, they know more than that. So it's like it's weird participating it's really in the gossip around Taylor Swift is a separate thing to the music now, which is it, they always used to be so entwined. And now I think a lot of people listen to the music or interact with the music to get the lore, not and that's part of it. Of course, that's a huge part of it. But I don't think they really care that much about Taylor, the artist. Like, I don't think they care about her songwriting process. I don't think they care about what she went through at Big Machine. Like, to me, like the Travis and the Joe stuff was interesting, obviously, ha Kiki. But to me, the most interesting thing is always going to be in a circumstance like this. How does she think about her art? How does she think about her writing process? How does she think about creating her stuff? What is she learning from the Taylor's version project? I really loved this moment where she talked about the process of like, cause we always talk about how, you know, it's joyful and celebratory to do this, this Taylor's version project, but it's also painful and it must be very difficult to encounter your past selves in this manner. And she had this analogy where she said it was like doing this again at first before she figured out how she was going to do it was like trying to redo your homework after a gust of wind, like blew your book report away. And I was like, that's such a good analogy for what this is like you put all that work all that pain all that suffering into that task and it's gone and now you have to do it all again Daunting. and it's interesting because i don't think when i read it i i did not think that that was how she was thinking about it i didn't realize that she thought of it like almost kind of like a chore a chore is yeah, it's just like something mm-hmm. that I have to get through, which is like, if you think about it, it's kind of like a very valid way to feel about it because it literally is like doing yeah, your it's, book it's a lot of work over again. It's a lot of goddamn work, and mm-hmm. I think also it's <laughs> it's kind of like an astronomical amount of work, especially given the 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 time that she's giving herself to do them. So it's like sometimes I'm like, well, of course, style TV sounds like that. <laughs> She doesn't even want to do it in the first place. She does not even she want doesn't to be want doing to be this here. in the first place. She does not want to be here. The good TVs are on the days where she's feeling good about it. The she's bad like, TVs is- are the days where she wakes up and goes, I don't want to do Starlight today. You know no, what? I don't, I don't want to do Starlight. A, I'm a 32-year-old lady. I'm not, I don't want to talk about Bobby Kennedy. I've moved beyond that. Girl at home, I think she literally had a mental breakdown and was like, I can't. Elvira, get in here. Get your pots and pans. Come on. We need to start. I can't get through this without you. (laughs) I need a dancing witch version. On that wavelength, I'm trying to find where she talked about rep in this fucking. God, this article is so fucking. Ooh, yeah. She's. Oh, that was interesting. It was towards the very, very end. It's towards the fucking end. Oh, I have quotes about that. Don't you worry. So she was talking about reputation and she said that revisiting it is the most charged era in the tour. She calls it a goth punk moment of female rage at being gaslit by an entire social structure. She says, I think a lot of people see it and they're like six snakes and strobe lights. But then she says the upcoming vault tracks for reputation will be fire. She promises. That is the one quote that we get about the reputation vault tracks is one word. And that word is fire. And that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear slut, <laughs> cunt, bitch, whore. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. Oh, turkey, I love New you. Year's Day. I want to hear. Cleaning up bottles. I want to no. hear. Eat shit Kim Kardashian, and die. you are dead. Kim Kardashian. You that's are what dead. I want to hear. Also, well, call that again up, by name. 
Well, speaking Call of, that again, my name. I had thought. Clocked. I had thought that because this was like a rumor in the in the pop world, I guess I'll say that Kim Kardashian and Taylor Swift are on good terms now because Kanye is out of the picture. But she's over here name dropping uh, Kim again. That's she never will going cook. away. And something that and- I thought <laughs> When I first was reading it, it's, it's illegal. Like, Have you, you noticed could... how she stresses that every time she brings Kim up? It was illegal. It's illegal. Well, she it's wants illegal. to bring legal it recourse. Was illegal. If she incites the dogs, the dogs it's will come. It's not working. But, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I thought it was interesting because I was like, I feel like Kim Kardashian and Kanye West had the ability to quote unquote cancel Taylor in 2016, 2017. No longer. And Kim should be scared. Oh, no. <laughs> whenever oh, Taylor no. invokes we, her name. We've been saying this. <laughs> I feel like we I always I always felt like this that Kim Kardashian was a flash in the pan because at the end of the day I mean what does she do I'm sorry you can make as many impassioned arguments for what she's done I think she's just unleashed a reign of terror onto the world unlike no other celebrity empire like truly to me it's net negative for almost everything that that family has done Do you remember when and they I were always trying felt to that it was timely as like a feminist icon <laughs> because she, yeah, she like yeah. she rebranded her sex tape. It's so like okay, and she's a devil. No, nope. yeah, and she also won't admit. I mean, we we could do a whole episode on what's wrong with Kim Kardashian, but I always felt like that was not going to last. Kanye, now he when he was coming for Taylor, I mean, his cultural capital was not something to be messed with. But he had already kind of started going off the rails then. Like it was already, we were already in the closing hours of the Kanye West genius era. So I think that was naturally going to fall apart anyway. But it is interesting. I mean, the writer makes a very good point towards the end, which I think it's a good point, but it also kind of removes, and this happens a lot, the writer kind of like gives Taylor these easy outs throughout the article, which I thought was interesting. But he says towards the end that, you know, it doesn't matter that Reputation sold 1.3 million copies, which, by the way, is an incorrect figure. I'm pretty sure that's not the number that it sold in the first week. Thank you. That would have been more than 1989. And if it had sold more than 1989, we would have been talking about that and we weren't. So thank you. Either way, <laughs> he says that, and look what you made me do went number one. He says, even though she thinks, because she kept saying it, career death, they took my career away from me, all of this stuff. He says, even though, that objectively seems to be not true. It doesn't matter because that's not how she felt. It's really interesting because I know you and I have talked about this and we've kind of said the exact opposite. <laughs> we've been like, is she ever going to stop talking well, about we it? we like the truth. Well, well In general, you know, we like the truth. We, listen, she said it, it, is, it is factually true that she genuinely feels that that she was the feels end that of her clearly life. she does feel clearly, that clearly she feels it yes 100 percent. i don't think she's being intentionally deceptive or intentionally dishonest exactly i just think right. she is for in a rare moment lacking self-awareness she's usually very self-aware that is kind of like her achilles heel i suppose but again i don't want to take away from what it meant to her and i also think it was interesting how she mentioned that those two incidents, the two most damaging things that have happened to her in her career, were kind of the two things that single-handedly created where we are today. That, that and the masters was being sold. Very interesting. If it, I mean, everything you lose is a step you take. I mean, she said it herself, and I think she and knows she that makes to be the, the connection herself. Truth. It wasn't a note left in by the writer. She said it herself. 
those right. two things created. What did she say? Her response to fi- to pain is defiance. Yeah, and my, I was like, "That's my reputation, baby." I respond to extreme pain with defiance. That's what she said, and I was like, "Okay, well, mm. go off." I mean, that's what we like to. I mean, rose I, up from if, the dead. If we take one look at reputation, we know that to be the truth. We know that to be the we goddamn truth. That to be the. Tr- I also like that she pointed out that reputation was not well received when it came out, and that is the truth. That's the that's the part where I was kind of like, okay, you're onto something because the reviewers did not like reputation. The public, the general public, not a huge fan of reputation. It's had a, an acclaim in hindsight for sure. A similar, not in the same dramatic fashion, but in a similar way that Born to Die was not appreciated fully when it came out, but had kind of a resurgence a couple years later when it clicked with people finally, ahead of its time, truly. And Reputation is the favorite part of the tour, et cetera, et cetera. It is interesting to think about that period of time. You know what's so absent from this period? Lover. From, from this entire piece, we don't mention Lover at all. I mean, yeah. She. I mean, I don't think that that era was. Oh gosh, what do I want to say about this? Because I don't want to. I don't want to presuppose. I don't want to assume too much. But mm-hmm. I would think that when mm-hmm. Taylor sits down and thinks about career successes that she's had and albums and eras that have been particular and they stand out i don't think lover pause and it's like there could be more it could have been because of the covid19 it could have been because of that because she it never got a moment in the sun it never really had a chance to like be a, a fully formed era um me i think that first she pancake does know on that, the new record that, label yeah i think she does know that me is not a fan favorite period it was the it was the lead single um and I I wouldn't think that she thinks Lover is bad. I don't think she thinks that. And I wouldn't no, say we don't that. Think that. I wouldn't say that myself. So I just kind of think that it's not a moment that needs to be discussed. In, when speaking about her success as Time Person of the Year, mm. I don't think Lover... I would have loved to have had a comment on Cruel Summer. That's really what we were missing because that was a huge part of this year yeah. was having Cruel Summer go number one. Why aren't we talking about Is It Over Now going number one? Why aren't we talking about all of these random ass songs going number one? We Is need to have now, a conversation one was about deranged. that. That was a moment. That where was, was the like, craziest. You guys of need all. to rein it That in. was even crazier than Stop all too well ten. Tweeting. That was even crazier than that. Stop talking about it. Enough. Because this is no more TikTok no dances. Reason why that fucking <laughs> song went number one, and she's got to know that. I mean, she's got to know that. She if, if listen. I mean, that's, really it's so emblematic of. Lore mainstream, lore going mainstream. Like, well, can you actually, imagine Madeline telling 2012 you that a Taylor Swift song with the lyrics "blue dress on a boat" was going to be number one in ten years? What would you say? <laughs> Not ten years, but if you had said there's going to be a line about blue dress on a boat on 1989, I would have expected tomorrow. That. Tomorrow, I would have expected that. But number one in 2023, absolutely not. Absolutely not. That was deranged. I'm sorry to the girls. It was deranged. It really was. It was deranged. Is it over now? Well, maybe it should have been. Well, maybe it should have been. Maybe it should have been. Also, the Eras Tour movie, I feel like, I thought it was hilarious when she described her. I know she was joking, but her family unit is a small business, a small family business. She's always on that shit. I was like, 
That's like okay. when you you email the Underdog merch store to queen. complain and they say, "We're, we're a small yeah, we indie are a business." Small business. It's like, and they actually say that. They actually do a, say that. They say that. That's real and it's embarrassing. So she needs to rein that in. I mean, I guess I don't know. That's kind of hateration. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna retract. Here's what I wanna say. Here's what I wanna say. I don't wanna say <laughs> I hate Taylor calling her family a small family business. What I wanna say is, I find it kind of. It's cringy. a family business. I'll give her that. I find it kind. It is of a family cringy. business. That's what I wanna say. I know that everybody else really mm-hmm. likes it. Also, Austin is looking busted. That I didn't wanna so- say. <laughs> but he's not looking good. You no, know, there was. And he like hasn't a d- been looking good. Every time I see a candidate of him, I'm like, oh. Ooh. He's not going to the Taylor it's just Swift not skincare fair. school. It's not, it's, he, it's not well, fair. It's not fair. No. He's not going to the Taylor Swift Eat Your Green school. He's looking haggard. He's looking like he needs a vitamin B12 supplement. No, he definitely looks like somebody who he, he looks a like a green. normal guy. Here's the fact of the matter he looks like a normal man. And that's, he looks like, mm-hmm. you saw him on the street, you wouldn't even think about it. You're like, oh, there goes a man. Aging Nothing as most it. straight white men do rapidly exactly. and with little grace. That was so, mean. So, I mean, uh, it's unfortunate for him one of that the his most sister is Taylor mean Swift. things <laughs> I have ever said on the podcast. Unprompted, what? I took a shot at Austin Swift. Yeah, out of nowhere. Busted. Smacked. Mean. But... Well, Austin Swift, we salute you. I, I will never forget when you put your Yeezys in the, Yeezys in the trash. I love that about you. I did. Oh, that was iconic. That was iconic. And when you were in a movie and never acted ever again in your life, we really respected that. <laughs> or when you did um, Jack Leopards and the Dolphin Club, look what you made me do cover for Killing Eve. That was incredible. Now, when we're talking about Nepo babies, why are we not talking about him? <laughs> Can you None be a Nepo baby when it's your be sibling? Happening. I mean, he's completely untalented well, in all ways. <laughs> and they, I mean, they barely happen to begin with. That's the sad part of it all. No one around Taylor can get their ass up and be a Nepo anything. Like Joe, Nepo boyfriend, fumbled the bag. Austin, Nepo brother, fumbling the bag. Nepo parents, sure. Sure. There's oh, lying. Nepo parents, yeah. Andrea's I, I braid mean, is giving. I love Andrea's braid. She's always giving you know, a little bit of mom cunt. And I think that we need to acknowledge mm, yeah, that. Yeah, it's thing. long. And she looks distinctly she said, I'm like, like serve and mom. slay. But she is mm-hmm. serving she's it a mom. on a silver platter. She's a mom. She's somebody's mother. And we I saw love, her actually she's the, in, the she's first in black, time I saw her. And she's got a cunty braid. She's got an Evermore up, up braid. Up close. Well, I saw her in Seattle. I was like, I don't know, 10, 15 That's feet away from her. And that was a celebrity. I was like, wow. She waved at me. I was like, hey. Well, uh, you were like I was you gagged. should know I was about completely me gagged. you, sh- you should you know what. the things i've said about you all positive me but your daughter oh needs oh, to oh, oh oh i thought you oh, said no, i'm being I, hypothetical I like, you talking saying? to andrea oh, oh okay <laughs> <laughs> um i thought why don't we get into the part of the article that i really that kind of pissed me off okay we might as well just get it out of the way um taylor doing her let me conflate two separate things together so that one makes the other look less bad when she was talking about the stan wars with beyonce 
and how they're above it and they get along really well and they have a good relationship. It's like clap, clap, clap. I was clapping. I was screaming. I was cheering, tears streaming down my face. We love you. Loving Beyonce. We love there being no fights. And then it goes straight into what has existed since the dawn of time, a patriarchal society. What fuels a patriarchal society? Money, flow of revenue. It was literally giving the America Ferrera monologue and Barbie, the economy. So actually, if we're going to look at this in the most cynical way possible, feminine ideas becoming lucrative means that more female art will get made. It's extremely heartening. And by the way, I earned every one of my billion dollars. That is probably the worst quote in the article. And what's bad, is this another one of the mm-hmm. instances where I can just tell she thinks she's spitting fire? She's oh. like, in my house that I bought what, with the songs that I made. Fuels it's the that patriarchy? energy. Money. And we're giving the patriarchy money. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a lot of money. Did you know? Money, please. Money, please. Here's here's the truth. Money for Beyonce, please. This is going to go, I feel, if I were to like look at this, this whole article and like take it apart and ask myself, what is the the thing that's going to be the, the... least well received i would say this because here's the real tea of the matter really nobody wants to hear Mm. about these particular facets of feminism from miss jet emissions billionaire (laughs) boss bitch here here and like just to be clear here's what i feel like here's what i feel like taylor swift has done for for women and i can speak to this because she's done it for me and she's done it for a lot of women and girls around me she has done her goddamn mm-hmm. best to show that women's stories are important and that they matter. She has confronted slut shaming. She has dealt with people claiming that she couldn't possibly be the person writing her own songs because she's a woman. She has dealt with misogyny and a space that has called it out. She spoke out against sexual assault. Her sexual assault trial was so huge for women. Um, I think that it uplifted a lot, of, a lot of voices of a lot of other women. She shined a light on a lot of other women's experiences. Um, and those things are good. All those things are good. Nobody can take those things away from her. Because those are the things that she's done. In that respect, she's always posting. Exactly. And I I believe that those things matter. But when she starts getting into like critical feminist thought, because what she's really (laughs) getting into is like real social change. She believes that her being a billionaire will somehow Mm -hmm. enact real social change. And it's like, she's like, if you really think about it, I deserve a billion dollars. That's what I got from it. I earned it. Think about it. You can't. And then it's like I you can't. When I first read it, my main I I was like, oh, she's talking about like um how this will lead to more female art. It's like obviously there being more female art in the world is a net good. But the way that she said it and the words that she used and just the way she was presenting it is like, see, this is why nobody's asking about this. It's the Taylor Swift trickle down economics. And it, it this is, is not it's not what she thought it was giving. And I, I thought that told- it was very unfortunate and deliberate that she paired this with the Beyonce conversation right before it. Because not only was she saying she was equating the two things, the objectively good thing being Beyonce and I refusing to participate in this toxic, misogynistic right. conversation that surrounds us. She's directly pairing that with, and so we deserve to have a billion dollars because we are really changing the world and we're really doing something great for this universe. And you know what? That is not going to slip by me, unfortunately. So I, I pulled this. This pissed me off. So I, I remembered this quote and I pulled it because I wanted to say it because I think it's it's what came to mind once I really sat and thought about what she was saying. Somebody pointed out that it was trickle-down feminism and it blew my mind and I was like, oops. 
But so I, I see they said that and I pulled this quote. It's by Lori Perry. And she said, while we all worry about the glass ceiling, there are millions of women standing in the basement and the basement is flooding. And frankly, the wealth hoarding of the elite is part of what is flooding that basement. And nobody wants to say it, but Taylor Swift is part of that now. Does anybody have any questions? I mean, really? So, well, I, well, I mean, <laughs> she also always has been, I suppose. It's not like a lot of people are acting like she only just got a billion dollars. She's been an ultra true. high net You're worth right. individual for multiple years. You know, she's right. been, yep. she's every single time she's been banging on about feminism, this tension has existed. And I think that now mm-hmm. there is certainly more class consciousness online. I would say digital conversations have taken a decidedly left turn. Um, fiscal shaming. <laughs> shall we say wealth shaming i got accused wealth of that shaming. Wealth, wealth shaming is is in vogue for the gen z so i think that you know the writer didn't even bring it up this was a self-own like she really did this to herself she didn't have to bring up like <laughs> she, couldn't help she does this whole she does this whole speech about how women are successful and have their stories deserved to be told. And then she directly and to me cold-heartedly brings up money. She she very specifically goes, money, flow of revenue, the she economy. She needs to stop. She no. needs to stop immediately. Not the word the Taylor money School of economics. You don't have a college degree. Mouth. Silence. <laughs> silence. No, it's silence. Sorry, silence. You need to you need to consult. We don't accept my dad. we don't accept on we don't we don't accept <laughs> the honorary doctorate of musicianship no. here no. from NYU. We don't take that credential here at the school of reality. I believe that I believe that she's she's read books and that's what I think. And I think that she thinks that I know what's going on in the world. But it's like there's no mm. replacement for experience of reality being a person and i regret to inform her as this is something she should know and it shocks me every time where it seems like Mm -hmm. she doesn't she's not like well she knows she can't go out to dinner so you'd think she'd put two and two together but of course (laughs) she knows that it's too much to ask for um but again and i and i and i just want to reiterate i i i can be pretty I'm going to use the term militant about certain things of that nature, but I want to reiterate the things that she really has done for women. I will stand by them and support 1000%. Like I wanted to bring that up first because I didn't want anybody to say that I was like, you know, but I see what I see. And that's all I want to say. Well, I thought Sam Blansky encapsulated this really beautifully at the end of the article. I think we can read that passage. It was gorgeous. Maybe this is the real Taylor Swift effect that she gives people, many of them women, particularly girls who have been conditioned to accept dismissal, gaslighting, and mistreatment from a society that treats their emotions as inconsequential, permission to believe that their interior lives matter, that for your heart to break, whether it's from being kicked off a tour or by the memory of a scarf still sitting in a drawer somewhere or because someone else controls your life's work, is a valid wound. And no, you're not crazy for me upset about it or for wanting your story to be told i thought that was a very astute observation and a beautiful way to end the piece when i was reading it i i thought almost certainly that this was written by a woman i was like i know this was written by a woman i know this i know this was written by a woman thank god this was written by a woman and then i was like oh sam Lanks. next best thing gay (laughs) i guess next best thing next best fucking thing um i thought he he was fun fact he was the ghostwriter of the Britney Spears memoir. Somebody she told me that. She went through two ghostwriters yeah. and she felt that they were too 
professional and she felt that it was not in her voice. And Sam Lansky came in when the job was almost done and really revamped it and fixed it and put it into terms that Britney agreed with. So I think what we can surmise from that is, you know, if you can please Britney Spears, if you can capture the Britney Spears tone, elusive, difficult to parse most of the time. elusive. <laughs> she said, what I need to tell you about my life is lipstick emoji, handbag emoji, sparkle emoji. And Sam Lansky and was like, I understand. And he said, I understand. I'll write a book. <laughs> and he got it. So I think that his, I mean, the it's a very good piece of writing in general. What I liked about it is that there was like, it was very much creative nonfiction. It wasn't like a straight work of journalism. Also, I would argue that you can't do a straight work of journalism with Taylor Swift because well, she doesn't like I don't, you. she won't answer questions <laughs> she <doesn't let> you. <laughs> that will incriminate. Exactly. She won't let you in the door. And I think that he mentioned something about like her light being so blinding and him being like very overwhelmed and taken aback by her. And I think that that is another part of the way that she kind of gets people not to ask her questions she doesn't want to talk about. She's extremely charismatic. Like she's very engaging and personable. And she, I guess, fosters this closeness with strangers that I think makes them not want to upset her. It's like if you're talking to someone who you are perceiving to be very open with you, you don't want to upset them and derail the conversation. So I think right. it's smart of her to not act guarded because he says at the beginning, she is talking to me seemingly unguarded, but we all know. And he says on the way out, he's like, I just got trolled. Basically, he's like, she, <laughs> she I, he's like, I was thinking about all the stuff she said and I just got punked. I was thinking um, in response to what you just said, in the very beginning of the article, this is like the first quote that I pulled. He says, yet over time, she has harnessed the power of the media, both traditional and new, to create something wholly unique, a narrative world in which her music is just one piece in an interactive shape-shifting story. Swift, Swift is that mm. story's architect and hero, protagonist and narrator. This was the year she perfected her craft, not just with her music, but in her position as the master storyteller of a modern era. So it's it was interesting that he put it in that kind of terminology because what he's really referring to is the lore. What we, the proles, yeah. commonly refer to as the lore. Mm -hmm. And he put it in such eloquent terminology, I thought, and it's like, I felt in that paragraph that I was dealing with somebody who had a real solid understanding of what he was of what we were talking about. about. Yeah, mm -hmm, and, I, sure. and I felt very strongly that we were enmeshed in the conversation. I looked in. Yeah, I looked in for his. I looked at his byline, and he's been writing about pop girls since 2011, 2012. So, like, he's been oh. on it. Just he's write, been on write it. His little heart out. And he oh, said, like he said the re <laughs> he, he mentioned that the re-recordings project feels like a mythical quest to her. This was something else she said. Loser behavior, first of all, these quotes. I'm collecting horcruxes, she says, boo, tomato. I'm collecting infinity stones. I had to look that up because I don't I'm not familiar with the You don't know what Marvel infinity stones universe. are? No, I had to look it up. He, I literally had to look it up. Listen, Palio, you do a you do a Taylor Swift I'm podcast. Gay. You're not better. <laughs> You're not better than people who know what Infinity Stones are. I don't are. do superhero. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen enough of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies that I know what they are. Frankly, if anybody's asking, I prefer DC by a mile. I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm talking I about just Batman can't do fantasy. and Harley Quinn. Oh. <laughs> In general, I Batman. can't do that. 
Oh, interesting. It's like sci-fi for so me. I, something about my brain just clicks off, like K-pop as well too. Like there, th- these are parts of my brain that I just can't access. It's not that I think I'm better than it. I just don't understand it and it doesn't appeal to me. Like I just can't with it. So I looked it up and I actually thought the concept of infinity stones were really interesting and certainly applicable to the Taylor Swift universe. Um, what do you think her infinity stones would be? Oh, that's interesting. Um, Well, I guess you could be really simple and just consider them her albums, but I think they would be the most representative piece of every record. Kind of the Horcrux is also an Mm. interesting thing because the Horcrux is something that's hidden. It's secret and you're not supposed to know what it Mm -hmm. is. You have to figure out what the Horcrux is. So I would think for reputation easy Horcrux is the love story, right? There you go. (laughs) There you go. And then um, for Speak Now, I would think maybe the Koi Fish guitar is like a really good like I mean, it's an obvious one, but it's a good one. For Taylor Swift, the debut, um, boot? Mm-hmm. Boots. I think for Fearless, Boots. it should be a horse. Boots. That would be cruel, though. Mm-hmm. Well, in Harry Potter, Voldemort did make a, white horse. a snake. A snake was a horcrux, so sure. Horse, a horse is a horcrux for Fearless. I think it's a horse girl album. I don't know why. It just is. It is. I mean, white horse. Been... Come on. Come on now. For Red, I'm tempted to say red? a... Red lipstick, perhaps, be a perhaps bike. the one that a bike. <laughs> Interesting. Bike Is that because the beginning again? Music video. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good one because you wouldn't. That Just came you to had to dig deep for that one. Um, and then for nineteen eighty nine. Ooh, nineteen eighty nine is an interesting sunglasses. One. Sunglasses or a Polaroid camera. Hmm. This mm-hmm. is a this is fun conversation. <laughs> this is like. Did yeah. you see? So Re- you well, see we have to finish joke? it now. We have to finish it now. Oh, um, so reputation. We did reputation. You said reputation would be the hidden love story. And that, but that's a hard one because I No, think but it needs to be a thing. I didn't realize it needs to be a thing, like a physical thing. It could be for rep. Like candles? Ooh, candle wax? Uh, uh, maybe <laughs> candles. Candles is a good one. A candle or, gosh, I'm trying to put it. An old a, fashioned. From, that would be a good one. Oh, an old fashioned. That would be a good one. Like a, like a, like a. Bottle, a bottle of what is it gin or whiskey that's in an old-fashioned something a bottle of the bottle finest old-fashioned liquor whisker a dark whiskey. liquor whisker I said. um for lover maybe a claire's Tea. gift card lover um <laughs> let me not be a hater <laughs> what were you gonna uh, say toys r us. annual membership oh, toys r us claire's icing <laughs> um but i i was gonna I say vomit emoji but that's mean the what would it really be? Maybe uh, this one is act- that's actually the, hard. One of those dress, ugly Stella McCartney purses. Maybe the dress from those heart shaped the... purses. What are you talking about? Is this is bad that we can't think of one. That's bad. Well, it means that it's not a good record. Well, it never really had no its moment. Maybe like the you. Maybe the uh, you need to calm down. Like for <laughs> we're really. Oh my god, <laughs> we're scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that. We'll do that. Um, folklore, cardigan, easy. Next. Easy. Evermore. Evermore. The braid? Oh, the braid. The braid. Yeah, that's a good one. And then Midnight's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Midnight's. A phone? Do you remember like the popular image like before the album came out <laughs> that was of her on the phone? Well... <laughs> Yeah. Why? Yeah. 
but I can't think of anything else. I don't know. I just thought that was maybe one of the clouds from the Lavender Haze performance on tour. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I like that one because that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay, well, that was fun. You got to know. Um, if you, well, after that completely pointless diatribe. It was fun. But yeah, it is interesting say? how she oh, is see, creating um, this world. Somebody made a joke that was like, oh, Travis Kelsey is like Googling what a horcrux is right now. And then they found a video from his podcast where Jason, I guess Jason Kelsey is like into Harry Potter, but Travis doesn't know anything about it. So there's literally a video of him being like, what's a horcrux? <laughs> it was so perfect. And like Jason had to explain Crying. it to him and he burst out I laughing. Like that. it was the stupidest thing he's ever heard of in his life. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and... Well, yeah. Well, yes. Literally, well, yes. Um, You just had to explain it to me and I had to pretend like I knew what it was, but I didn't. Um, She is a dork. That's also two things that came very clear from this article. She's a dork. One, she's terminally online. Two, the amount of Stan lingo that was peppered throughout this article. Very concerning. She said something that really was like, why She said that? imperial so phase. That's something that stands, only stands say, only refer to imperial phase. Oh, yeah. Referring the imperial to 1989. phase for 1989. That was also an interesting comment. Uh, there was something she mm-hmm. said. I can't believe I didn't write this down. I was also, like, that's metal as hell. That literally yes. made me physically cringe. I was like, I can't with you. Or like right calling now. the rep vault fire. No, it's not. It's just like. I mean, yeah. I would like, I would like <laughs> She's a more a millennial. Word. She's a millennial. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. metal as hell. She, it's a millennial. Like, well, what do you mean? I mean, I thought that going back to the idea of the narrative, I thought it was brilliant that they reached out to Shonda Rhimes to give a soundbite because so linked up. Sam Lansky knows what he's doing, okay? He knows who he's talking to. If you know, you know Shonda Rhimes is linked up in the Taylor lore from the beginning. Taylor loved Grey's Anatomy. She And the specific kind of storytelling that's done on Grey's Anatomy is actually very Taylor-esque in terms of the way that the characters kind of like overlap and like the things that they say to each other. It's very cinematic. It's very like romantic in that sense, full of these dramatic high stakes actions, a lot of screaming and fighting and kissing in the rain, which we know she loved to do at the time. So Shonda says she controls narrative, not only in her work, but in her life. It used to feel like people were taking shots at her. Now it feels like she's providing the narrative. So there aren't any shots to be taken. And I thought that was so interesting. It was like the moment that she actually kind of relaxed into being famous a little bit more. Then she realized she had far more control over how she was perceived than she did when she was trying to hold on to it with a death grip. Yeah, and it's like when you think about the times where she 1989 is a is a particularly good one thinking about I'm going to use the word calculated <laughs> how calculated she would be and she her. takes it as a compliment now she takes it as a compliment her. now according to her she's the mastermind and I thought it was really interesting um the mastermind conversation when she was talking about how she really wrote that song about being calculated, which is something that you and I have talked about because we were talking about how mm-hmm. we didn't think that Mastermind was really about Joe and was really more about her. We thought it was about her. And I thought that that 100% confirmed wow. it. And I think that was a, it, it makes it so so much more of an interesting song because when you just think of it as like a love song mm-hmm. or like, oh, an invisible string type of song, it's not that interesting. But thinking about her as the Mastermind is very interesting and i'm i'm a stan and i'm swifty and i'm happy mastermind has a really interesting tone to it because 
usually when she's singing about a guy, she's singing like to him or she's singing to herself, trying to console herself about it. Mastermind has this tone of her singing to the audience. It's like her looking into the camera. And I think that's really what's so fun and interesting about it is that it's not like she's just singing about herself. She's like, she's trying to tell us something with that with that song you know no one wanted to play with me as a little kid i've been scheming like a criminal i'm only cryptic and machiavellian because i care i mean come on that to me lyrical high point on midnights and i love that we got to talk about that should we talk about the creative stuff the juice that's in here about a couple of things so i thought that the discussions that were had, something, okay, a quibble that I do have with this article is that there aren't a lot of direct quotes from Taylor. They're very brief, and I would imagine that they were approved. I don't think that he was just able to pull every interesting morsel that came up in the conversation. I think this was edited. So you can you can tell that very clearly because he has to kind of add moments in where he tries to go a little bit deeper but can't because he can't pull a supporting quote to evidence it for example. So I thought that moments where I really, really would have loved for him to dig in a little bit deeper was when she was talking about Big Machine and the relationship that she had with Scott and the difficulties that she had when she was working for that label. I mean, when she said that there was the first six albums were so overthought, I genuinely gasped because she's inferring overthought in a way that's not like, I'm having so much fun planting all my Easter eggs. It's in a way that was stifling to her creativity somehow, because she then goes on to mention that she's been way more productive and prolific as an artist since she's been out of that contract. And I wish that we had gotten some more info there because she's hinted at this before and she's hinting at it again, but we are not going into specifics. And I need to know what she wanted to do but was not able to do. And I think that there's perhaps a lot of lost, I would have liked to have seen more evidence of this perhaps in the vaults of like songs that she had made or written that just could never mm-hmm. have come to light. Perhaps Mr. Perfectly Fine is is some of the best evidence because I think that that song is way more pop than Scott Borchetta would have ever allowed to have been put on Fearless. So I think that's perhaps the best evidence that we have. Um, I'm really curious to see what hidden gems are on debut slut I would another that- thing that i think he would have vetoed just by the oh, title well, of the song jumping off of also- something and is it over now goodbye thank you um perhaps also nothing new because she talks about drinking <laughs> and like not and like mm-hmm. not being there's something about nothing new where it's like it, it's not that she's being i wouldn't read in this into it i i love the song et cetera, et cetera, but it could have been taken like almost ungrateful or complaining about your fame or something like that and i could see him kind of having an issue with that where it's like you're supposed to be you know happy in this per- you know this girl blah 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 that's like so happy to be everywhere and so polite and blah 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 and i could see him taking issue with nothing new because it suggests not being 100 percent thrilled with every single aspect of becoming famous as a woman mm-hmm. totally I also felt so sad for her when she said specifically they got me beat now this is it I don't know what to do yeah. when her masters were taken away from her I was like oh my god that is when I become full Swifty that really is the moment where I'm like Hanhart, every billion dollar that you have another billion you, you've earned every like, single two billion, one three billion four give her billion. another one how many billion? <laughs> how many billions? How many more? billions do you need? Can we get more? And 
Yeah, I mean, so she, the point that she really tried to make was that the new label gives her 100% creative freedom and trust. And I didn't ever get the sense that Scott and Taylor didn't trust each other when they were in their partnership. Surely I got it when the partnership fell apart, but to know that the process of maybe him second guessing his young female artist, I mean, Taylor's old as time, and how she was fronted as having so much agency in her career, it would kind of contradict the narrative she spelt her career building if she turned around and said, I actually had to deal with a lot more influence than I have led on to you. But you know what's really interesting is when thinking about moments in Taylor's career where she really felt beat down, I would argue that the Grammys where she didn't win Album of the Year for Red was one where she was like, I'm fucked. You know, not like I'm fucked, but like, oh, maybe I didn't do something as well as I could have. That's a good example. And then she made 1989, which of course was huge. And we know Scott fought her on that. Right. Right. He and fought her about, on how many pop songs she could put on red. And he probably said to her, it won't be successful and you won't win your Grammy. And then she didn't. And she was like, oh, fuck. He was right. <laughs> and I, I forgot about that. Um, but uh, um, uh, another instance is when Lover. No, what am I thinking? Of? Oh, when the Masters got when the Masters got sold. That's what I'm thinking about. When the Masters got sold. And like, obviously, now she said that was a moment where she felt like it was over. And then she made Folklore, which is, of course, a career high. Is this like every time she wins a Grammy? Every time she thinks she's a broken soldier, she wins a Grammy. Yeah. <laughs> she won for 1989. I mean, she was a broken soldier. She won for Folklore. She was a broken soldier. I mean, Fearless folklore, is perhaps the most soldier. organic win. But um, mm hmm. Reputation, of course. I mean, just this quote is literally haunting me. The molecular chemistry of that old label was that every creative choice I wanted to make was second guessed. So what would we have done, Queen, if we had the world at our fingertips? What would you have changed? Where did you compromise? I mean, we'll never know. We'll never know. But I need to get her in a room. I don't want to talk about the boyfriends. I really don't care. I need to know what happened at the label. What happened in the label? We need the damn what happened in the label book. Well, it's also like really impossible to think about because I wouldn't say that any of the records that she made on Big Machine were failures or that they weren't successful or that there was anything. Well, it also felt to me, I was like, overthought. These are my children that you're talking These are my about. Children. Like, what? What do you mean? You're overthought. Wrong. And you're wrong, Taylor. Don't you dare say that. They were perfect. They're perfect <laughs> then. They're perfect now. Overthought um, by us, not by you. <laughs> again, this is why the vaults are interesting, but not. There's not many of them that really feel that like, whoa. You know what I mean? Like, none of them are. This I wasn't is totally allowed to a, do a total yeah. creative jump. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing like that i would argue that that pop was the big thing and of course she ultimately managed to do that she convinced him to do it Mm -hmm. and then i think another one would would, i don't think he would have been on board with a folklore style album yeah no and it's like well she's done both of those. once he made the shift to pop she was like you got to stick you got to stay where you are girl you just got to keep doing what we know but hearing that she felt beat down this is it i don't know what to do yeah it made me want to die also we talk about scooter again but you know what she's never really extrapolated on? What the beef is. 
I don't really understand why Scooter hates her and why she hates him so much. And the best that either of them could come up with was a screenshot of a FaceTime call that was posted on Instagram that said, Taylor Swift, what up? And yes, that was bad, but that was in the middle of, again, the hyenas, as she mentioned, clawing at her. There were people closer to her that said much worse things in public than that. So I'm kind of like, okay, when we have this much vitriol towards a person, I'm with you. I'm literally so there. I have my pitchfork, but I need to know like what street are we going down? You know, like I need to know where to go with my pitchfork. I would love to take it to the right house. So can we figure out what it is? She says he actively wanted them for nefarious reasons. What reasons? I think that the key... Just to get one over on her, but why? But why? The key to knowing what actually happened between Scooter and Taylor is probably Justin Bieber. (laughs) If you want to know, maybe Justin Bieber has that information 100%, and he's probably involved. Because Taylor's always hated him way more than just somebody that dated his friend and treated her badly. That's my true onion. And it's oh, that think Justin so? Bieber is directly involved Interesting. in it. Yeah. Because Justin Bieber was in that screen cap too. Oh. And it's like, why are you so mad about this dumb little screen cap? With Kanye. Yeah. That's what I didn't understand either. And she like posted it. Like it was a big she deal said, to I'm her. I'm mad about this. So. She, I'm mad. <clears throat> I don't sometimes with her I'm like you're too mysterious. Like I actually don't know what you're talking about. This is the problem. So <laughs> with that in mind, when she said, now this is this this was mental illness, this was a delusion. When she said, there's one thing I've learned. Okay, I liked this actually. The part about keep making art. Of course, of course, we've been new. She says, I've learned there's no point in actually trying to quote unquote defeat your enemies. She says, trash takes itself out every single time. And it's like, yes, that's true. But you have literally spent the last two or three years plotting and scheming. And I clap and I cheer and I love to see it. And every single night, like vigilante shit, you can't tell me that that's not you trying to actively quote unquote defeat your enemy. I've been thinking about this a lot myself. She she claims she claimed on Evermore, your nemesis will defeat themselves before they get the chance to swing. But we know that she is never taking her foot off his neck because you swung first. I I don't. I I, I think that she really wants to to be the kind of person who's like just let them go and like just let them you know they'll they'll defeat themselves etc etc but it's like deep down she's like but i can't help myself oh no i just need to get another little dig in In her head but also she was like the the thing that kills me about that is that it's just a lie an easily disprovable lie because she has taken every opportunity to take a shot oh yeah and has actively it reminded me of that quote where she said people underestimate the lengths at which i will inconvenience myself to prove a point because she will. The Taylor's version project is a pain in the ass. And every single time she does it, I know her heart is filled with glee at the thought of Scooter Braun investment further and further falling down the charts. It was a complete flop. It brings flop. a smile to her face. It was and a to mine also. complete flop. Well, I grin. I smile. I clap. I smile. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that when we're talking about her belief in karma... It's just kind of like, you know, first of all, nobody could have predicted. Well, maybe some people could have what Kanye West ultimately turned into that. I don't. And then when people say, like, the reason he got divorced is because of karma and because of Tay Voodoo. No, it's like, that well, really that was a self-fulfilling thing prophecy. Say. Truly, 
that was always going to like, be a situation. He's what? mentally ill. Like that was always going to be something that was going to happen to him. But with Scooter and with many of her other enemies, there's plotting and scheming. And again, you're only Machiavellian because you care. And I love that about you. But let's be honest. Or don't. I love it when she lies, actually. When she said that, I was like, well, you are the funniest right person in the world. I think it's her right as a woman. Mm-hmm, I think lie. she should lie. And, and what well, I love about it the most. It's such an obvious it's lie. It's not nefarious. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, nobody's hurt by this lie. Unlike it's the just... billionaire lie. Unlike that lie. What's the billionaire lie? Well, that wasn't a lie. That was just a misrepresentation. It wasn't a lie. What oh. she said about Beyonce. That whole conflation of the two things. Oh. That was her revisionist history. Well, that's, her making that's, a point. Blah, blah, blah. That's the thing about like when we talk about, oh, it's so great that she's like, she's the curator. She's the narrator. She's the the architect of this this whole thing. It's like, well, sometimes the architect is a fool <laughs> and does <laughs> foolish things. And it's I don't know why we're not allowed to admit that. How are we also the architect and the protagonist and the narrator, but trash takes itself out? I mean, let's talk about that. That exactly. She kills me. Trash has to get into the bin somehow. Mm -hmm. The trash has to become trash. How did the trash get there in the first place? How does the trash become trash? (laughs) She. I love her again. This is what I love. Well, when she gets really sinister or like a little manipulative, I love that about her. That's that's the serpent in her. Just seeping out of her bones. I thought it was really interesting to get an insight into the tour and how much work she had to do for it, saying that she really has to, had to train very hard for months just to get on stage and be able to do the show properly. 180 minutes of performance time, she is running on the treadmill and singing at the top of her lungs. And that's something that really surprised me when I went to the show is that a lot of it is live. I would say 90% of it is live. And you can hear that. Her breath control has gotten so much better. She says that she used to tour like a frat guy. Which I thought was such that a strange. I found interesting. I was like, "You're telling me that you didn't. You were in the cat suit train with your reputation? with your winged liner on, stomping. Was, you you were, didn't practice that. You need. I, I don't. I don't. I think she's maybe comparatively like it. She wasn't training mm. as hard for other tours as eras, but like you weren't training. You weren't drinking beer and eating. Maybe pizza she means she wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't taking care of herself. But it sounds like that. To accomplish what she needs to accomplish doing this show basically three nights in a row, she has to essentially vegetate afterwards. Like she's to be in bed and not speak. And sometimes she can't speak. But I loved how she pointed out that in those moments, she's so happy. She she also called it like, what she called it like, it's like a dream. It's a dream that Mm -hmm. I get to go up on stage and then I get to take my, my day to myself and lay in bed and eat food and watch Grey's Anatomy, I assume. And it does say, I mean, it's so like, say when she all. puts it that way, even like putting it that way, I was like, wow, that sounds quite lovely, doesn't it? Training my ass off for six <laughs> straight months. <laughs> and then I get to lay in my bed <laughs> once a week. Ooh, a dream. But to her, I believe her when she says that she feels very fulfilled. Getting to go on stage and then getting to take time for herself. Mm-hmm. Like that's her perfect You can see it on idea. her face. Yeah, she 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 lives. It really lives. clarified to me that moment that we couldn't comprehend during the Maddie era, which I think actually wasn't about him at all. But when she got up on stage and said, I'm the happiest I've ever been, that was just as the tour was ramping up and becoming a thing. I think she was talking about the tour and how happy she was to be out on stage every single night, back in right. front of people. I think that's what she was referring to. But I mean, it's still crazy. It's still crazy it's that still she did crazy. it and played And question. she had to have known what we were going to fucking think. 
You say, oh, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Are you Meanwhile, not entertained? Everybody knows. Are you not entertained? <laughs> well, exactly. And we were. That's a thing. <laughs> we were. Oh, it clapped. Cheered. <laughs> emergency we, space. Yeah. Every yeah. time she moves, emergency we space. do an emergency space. <laughs> emergency space. <laughs> <laughs> Madeline, get on Twitter right now. Get, get on the mic. I know I'm Where, going on that stage, whether I'm sick, injured, heartbroken, uncomfortable, or stressed. Okay, Queen. So what you're saying is this year you've been sick, injured, heartbroken, uncomfortable, and stressed. When were you heartbroken? Exactly. On stage. I'd like to know. Well, opening night, here's the, Queen? Here's the Spare heartbreak on opening night? Spare heartbreak on opening night? I find it very curious and interesting to sort of try and ascertain the actual timeline in regard specifically to the Eras tour of when Joe and Taylor actually broke up. Because like we, we talked about, mm-hmm. like they broke up like a month or two before, but they didn't want it to overshadow the Ares, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like... I need to know. <laughs> I need to know 100%. And I also need to know exactly when you started talking to Killa Trav. I need to know that too. I need to know it all. Because I need the to see album. the full picture. We need we, the we damn need the album. album. We need the so album. She, says, she says after he after he called her out on the podcast was when it started. So I think that would be pretty easy to find. Oh, that's true. That must true. have been after his Ears tour show. Wasn't it when he said, I tried to see her and they told me she was on vocal rest? Now that yes. was funny. Oh, you should look that in. And that was hilarious. That was funny. That was July, well, I want to say. And I was gobbling What show did he go up? to? The Kansas show. It was in July. Speak now. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, doesn't it, isn't it interesting well, all, right, all these then. things just kind of – And remember when people were so upset that she announced Speak Now in Kansas City? It's just like, well, doesn't What if Kansas I told City- you none of it was accidental? <laughs> what if night? I told you not a <laughs> single second of it was accidental? Mm-mm. What would you say then? What would you find? Tell me what would you find? What, it, it, what if ribbons then? and bows didn't mean a thing? What would you find? What if? What if? <laughs> well, what if? and then they talk about the Taylor effect and like the Federal Reserve, a finance professor waves in. And Sam Lansky, again, interesting morsel that is not investigated. Carrying an economy on your back is a lot for one person. Then we don't get into, okay, what are we going to, like, how does it feel to bear that responsibility on your shoulders? That's part of my identity as a human being. If someone buys a ticket to my show, I'm going to play it unless we have some sort of force majeure. So I'm kind of like, isn't that really kind of like, does that ever make you freak out to think like if something really bad happens to me, I basically have to go on stage, like no matter what. And it's not like I just go on stage for 10 minutes. Like this show is a marathon. Can I make like the craziest comparison of all time? I yeah. When I used to work in the service industry, I would become concerned about like I would think this all the time. Um, I would think like if what if one of my family members died and I still had to come to work? That's and I would have to. Mm. By the way, nine times out of ten, I would have to. And that's what it reminded me of, like just like this bleak acceptance of the fact. And we really did just like accept it. A literal like you, you literally just have to show up and do the thing. And it's like thinking. I think it's probably for her a little bit more fulfilling to to get up on stage and perform a show after something like that uh, than it is to I don't know be fucking giving somebody French fries. example (laughs) but like that's what it made me think of was just like well i know how that goes only i wasn't smiling the way that she's presenting it is like 
I, this is my work and I'm proud of it. And I'm really proud to say that I'm going to get up on stage no matter what. And as for me, I was like, that is something that made me feel like I was a cog in a machine. And it's like, does she Mm -hmm. ever feel like a cog in a machine? Like she is just somebody that gets money for a label and et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's a very interesting thought process. Well, she was not asked about the Brazil shows. Brazil was well, mentioned. Was it, this was, she was not asked this about was, it. Um, I think this interview took place before that. Yes, that's yeah. that was my. I thought the assumption same thing because when she I first mentioned a force majeure. She she but she mentioned a force majeure and then didn't go on to talk about Rio. So I was like, okay, so obviously that had never happened to her before. The way she was talking about it was like she had never had to cancel a show before due to an experience that she couldn't avoid. Um, something that I really loved again was talking about cringe. So she's the writer pointed out that she always like when she's performing these songs, she doesn't update them. She doesn't remix them. She doesn't try to change them. And she is reminded of a meme that says, don't kill the part of you that is cringed, kill the part of you that cringes. And she says that every part of you that you've ever been, every phase you've ever gone through was you working it out in the moment with the information that you had at the time. There's a lot to look back on where I could be like, wow, a couple of years ago, I might have cringed at this. You should celebrate who you are now, where you're going and where you've been. And I think that is the nicest thing about the Eras tour and something that I hadn't really thought about on a more macro level until I was really reflecting on this year and what Eras has done for her and what the Taylor's version project has done for her. It's crazy to me that Taylor can look back on her, like speak now self and think cringe because I see fairy tale princess i see gorgeous queen but however maybe she looks back on christmas must be something more and she goes you know what cricket <laughs> it's funny that that was the first song that was like that was the first song that was quote-unquote re-registered and that made everybody think it was being re-recorded it's like if that was the first song oh no that's how i know that's probably not happening because there's no fucking way career would have been really would, over then no career would be over career would be over and so that is something <laughs> I, over I, ribbons and bows meaning nothing. Well, I want to know what songs I don't think she ever. I mean, what did she said? She said, I don't want to sing picture to burn. Of course, now she is that this was years ago. She said picture to burn isn't something I want to sing. Yeah, she'll do I anything. She might have said but what does she, what she, does she said, feel? She does it for the fans. Really but like, What's think? in your heart? I need her like, top five. That's what I need more than anything in the world. I need her top five and I need her bottom five imminently. I need to know what song she absolutely fucking hates. More importantly, because it's we need probably the not what you think. It's probably not what you. It's expect. probably songs that are just hard to sing, or are hard to perform, or are hard to make acoustic, or she's played too many times. I'm kind of like, don't tell me Taylor that there aren't days where you're like, I cannot sing "Love Story" one more time. But that's one that she always seems to really love singing. I think the one that she gets bored of and will never say, but she does get bored of is "Shake It Off." I think she gets bored of that. I think that one and We Are Never Ever. She's not bored of We Are Never. I can tell you that. She loves that one. She's a fucking Cut her down. She does. Cut Cut her her down. down. And I've said this before. One one flop. Yeah, it needs to be cut. We need to cut it. Um, A flop in this article was, I think, Sam Lansky missed the opportunity to talk about the culture that has surrounded Taylor Swift with her fans. This is how he describes Swifties. Her fans are singularly passionate. That's a nice way of saying fucking crazy, not just in the venue, but also online as they analyze clues, hints, and secret messages in everything from her choreography to her costumes. Some deliberately planted, others not. That is pretty much the extent to which the fandom is discussed. And I'm kind of like, now hang on just a second because Swifties have been literal terrorists online to various actors that have been either doing wrongs to Taylor Swift or perceived wrongs to her. 
a big part of the culture surrounding Taylor Swift and why she is the queen of the world is because no one is allowed to say anything bad about her because the Swifty police will come and get you. Exactly. It's like why we're afraid of the barbs. <laughs> it's exactly like this is we I'm know exactly I'm how it feels to be afraid of the, of the Swifty machine because I'm afraid of barbs. I'm why aren't we? I feel like it's the devil you know. You know what? That's the thing with Swifties. It's like I know them. Well, I, I know, know exactly they what they're going to say. Now we've had enough exactly run-ins. Exactly. We've had enough run-ins with them now that it's like, again, bring it. Why not? One more time for the road. But there are people who are very And it's like, you know the people, you know when somebody says something really inflammatory about Taylor and then in, in the replies, like the first reply on it is them going like, oh, and here they come. And it's like, well, what did you expect? You said that she should hang herself center stage. I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but like, so what you did, know yeah, what I mean. What did you think was, what did you think was going to happen? What did you think exactly. was going to happen? My last gripe that I have... Yeah, they're really annoying. The last gripe that I have with this article is the Ticketmaster thing. We also did not delve into that at all. Taylor will not well, be. She's not going to talk on about the record it. talking about that ever no. again. No, she made an I Instagram guess. story once, but that was a big part. Remember the beginning of the year? This was a huge news story. Oh yeah, it went to fucking Congress. Oh, why yeah. aren't we asking Taylor about what did you think about the Swifties with signs outside Congress? Did that warm your heart? How has your working relationship you with them changed? How are you? Were you thinking? Did it make you regret having a billion dollars? No, of course. Well, of course well, not. Of course not. Well, of because course Beyonce not. has a billion dollars. Well, no. And we love each other and we all got crowns. Well, I have to be just like Beyonce. I mean, Beyonce. <laughs> I have to be just like Beyonce. That, that. <laughs> Beyonce, Beyonce, Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't, I don't think we're ever going to get anything meaningful. I don't. I don't want to like harp on this because I feel like we talked about it so much, but I don't think we're ever going to get anything meaningful, at least not while the tour is ongoing about Ticketmaster and the whole fiasco. Yeah. I, I I will say that it was nice to hear that because she knew that fans worked so hard to get tickets, um, that she was like, I'm going to put on this fantastic show. I got to get my it, ass it still up and work. And she did, to be fair. To be fair, she did. It, this show is incredible. She did, but it just would have been nice for her to kind of acknowledge... I, I don't know just like a little bit more like it cost I mean it's nice to have a friend and she's money. not really being a friend to us no yeah I mean anyway we've been over this and it's depressing well <laughs> do you have any closing thoughts I feel like we've touched everything we like needed to touch again yeah. I would stress that this was clarifying not revealing but juicy juicy morsels things I will think about well we love clarification <laughs> we love clarification. We don't get it ever. So we love my, this. My personal favorite part of the article, I think, was well, my favorite part of the article that Taylor gave us was her talking about rep TV and like reputation in general. And then my favorite part of the article that came mm -hmm. from the journalist was definitely the ending. Um, I thought that that was some some pretty pretty good morsels that he gave us there at the end, and that that's kind of like my two favorite parts. My favorite part that Taylor contributed was talking about the re-recordings process, reflecting on, you know, writing the book report. I thought that was really interesting, gave me a new layer of understanding. And my favorite part that the journalist added, I actually loved the scene where he's reflecting on 
the Eras tour in the theater with the fans who are watching Taylor react oh, to herself yeah. on the screen. And he ends it. And the line is, we were all enraptured. And he means Taylor Swift as well. So she's like looking at this abstracted version of herself. And she's also enthralled by whoever that is on the screen because that version of her is different to the version sitting in the audience. That I loved. I thought that yeah. really kind of summed up the Taylor phenomenon really well. There's Taylor the person, Taylor the thing, and then Taylor the performance. And right. I think she's gotten a lot better at separating all of them. And I don't think she's desperate to be understood anymore, which is what, also what I came away from this article thinking. Interesting. Very interesting. Because I think in her early career, that was so important. And she just, I think maybe she's finally mm. realized like there's going to be people who are never going to understand it and I'm just going to keep rocking and it's yeah. working. <laughs> That's the crazy thing. Self-acceptance yeah. is crazy. And they don't need to it get really it. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yep. They don't need to get it. And that's fine. I don't think she's and all the way there. She's certainly not all the way close. there because we're out here no. getting tree pain to smack de moi. So her tendency <laughs> to control the narrative, don't get me wrong. It's not going anywhere, but I think that she's a lot more kind of like, I think she was really a control freak about her public image before. And obviously she still pays close attention to it. But, you know, the odd assertion that is factually incorrect can come and go without her having a mental breakdown. Exactly. And she is finally discovering that truth. And we clap. And we clap. We clap. We cheer. And we cheer to you for tuning in. And you cheer for us by going to patreon.com slash because honestly, girls. Exactly. Exactly. We fought a lot of turkeys to be here with you today. (laughs) 